Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. If you've seen the movie Anchorman, you would know that the word anchor is part of the title. And speaking of anchor, it's not only a word or a heavy object used to keep ships at bay. It's also a very popular, intuitive podcast platform. For one thing, it's free to use. For another thing, Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or right from your computer without any special mics or any special gear. At the end of the day, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. Best of all, you can make actual tangible money off of your podcast with no minimum listenership required. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchors away. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. You, 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 you,
right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where just like Brandon Ingram's long-ass strides, the 2017 version of the Los Angeles Lakers have seemingly hit their own stride in the early part of this new year. And outside of Zaza Pachulia potentially becoming your Western Conference starting center at this year's All-Star Game, 2017 seems to be off to a promising start for most everybody. So, fellas, with that said, how is your 2017 going? We just finished the first full week of 2017 and have your respective 2017s paralleled the Lakers' start thus far, with the Lakers winning against the Orlando Magic type 111 to 95. The Lakers are now 15 and 26, and they are only two full games back of the eighth seed in the West somehow, with the Portland Trailblazers also losing by one point to the Detroit Pistons tonight. They are now 16 and 23. So with that said, yeah, how are your guys' 2017s going? Tommy, I'll start with you. Going great. (laughs) (laughs) Alan, what about you? How's your 2017 going? It's been good. Why don't you tell us outside of the Lakers why you're feeling happy? You were just talking about it. So uh, Tommy and I are both actually Green Bay Packer fans. um, And the Packers won today in pretty convincing fashion. <clears throat> so uh, hopefully they can pull off another win next weekend. It's going to be tough, though, because I think Jordy Nelson probably broke all of his ribs. I know. Well, someone's not having a good 2017, but guess what? The Lakers are, and we are. And uh, for anyone wondering about our lit intro song and who contributed to its litness, I'd like to point you to our friend Eric Webb's SoundCloud. Uh, his name is Hello Harry. Just type Hello Harry, and the title song you hear is Forever. And speaking of forever, we can only hope that's how long these feel-good vibes last. Before we begin, please follow us on Twitter, at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many times Jordan Clarkson is going to put him up and bring his fists up reflexively in response to any random occurrence, not just potential brawls. So if you want to see Jordan Clarkson spaz out and bring his fists up as the water boy behind the bench innocently tries to hand him a cup of water, rate and review us. Um, so did you guys write any New Year's resolutions or subconsciously make any New Year's resolutions for yourselves? Nope. Nope. That's okay. I'm sure some people out there did. If you made any New Year's resolutions this year, you likely made a resolution to read more books. I know that's a common theme. Well, Audible.com can help you achieve that goal without actually having to quote-unquote read. So if you use our URL, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial with Audible.com and get a free audio download upon sign-up. So just use the URL audibletrial.com slash almighty to get your free download now. All right, with that said and out of the way... The Lakers won again, and pretty much since the new year has started, the Lakers have looked like a different team and looked how they... Well, I think they they look even better than how they started the season off because now the young guys are all meshing. Brandon Ingram is totally coming into the fold here, and everybody's picking up on this uh, Flashes Ingram nickname that we've given him. (laughs) Um, To quote someone on Twitter, this guy said, we should call him Menopause because all I see are hot flashes. (laughs) Oh my god. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, before we begin there, you know, the Lakers are obviously we're having a ton of fun right now watching the young kids develop. Let's just get through some quick news. Um, obviously, the Lakers decided not to waive Meta World Peace or Thomas Robinson. And that doesn't mean the Lakers aren't going to cut Meta World Peace. It just means that they've decided to give him his money for the year. And given um, what he's meant to the organization and loyalty and whatnot, um, this was just a matter of the Lakers deciding, hey, let's pay Meta World Peace, but that doesn't mean, you know, they could cut him as soon as tomorrow, and I hope that eventually happens. Tommy, do you have any thoughts on that, keeping Meta? 
Yeah, I mean, at first I thought it was a no-brainer to cut him, but when they didn't do it, I was like, okay, I mean, if if they just wanted to guarantee his money and then cut him later, it doesn't... All it affects is the money out of Jim Buss's pocket, right? So if he is fine with just, like, paying Meta the guaranteed money and then later if we need a spot, he can cut him and sign somebody else, then that's that's his prerogative. Yeah, we just hope that the cut actually happens. Right. Um, so, you know, with the trade deadline gearing up uh, around mid-February, I believe, some teams have started to actually do some things. And we're talking mainly about the Atlanta Hawks, who are apparently having a fire sale as they've begun. They're well underway breaking up their primary core of their once-proud 60-win team. Um, or obviously, Horford left in free agency this summer, and they just traded Kyle Korver to the Cavs for a first-round pick and Mike Dunleavy, I believe. And outside of that, the rumor is they're also looking to sell off Paul Millsap, who will be an unrestricted free agent this summer. And after what happened to Horford, who pretty much just left them for nothing, I'm sure that's what's dictating how they handle Millsap this year. And they don't want another situation where one of their young core or one of their core players just walks and leave, leaves them with nothing. Um, and so they're doing that in spite of the fact that they've won six in a row. Also, the Brooklyn Lynettes apparently want two first round picks for Brooke Lopez since they don't currently own their number one pick due to the Boston pick swap. Good luck with that. Um, Denver Nuggets are exploring trades for Yusuf Nurkic, and also Danilo Gallinari, Wilson Chandler, and Farid have been and are always on the block. And there have also been some rumors of uh, Jimmy Butler potentially, or the Bulls potentially shopping Jimmy Butler, but this just seems more like the Bulls exploring what teams around the league are willing to pony up for him more than it does anything substantive on their end. Um, so how this relates back to the Lakers is, well, a domino effect is starting around the league. And um, with the Hawks making these moves that essentially I think they're trying to rebuild at this point, and this may push them back um, out of the playoff spot in the East, leaving one spot open. And Mitch just came out with some comments this past weekend talking about how he doesn't anticipate making any movements this trade deadline. Uh, he said, things are heating up around the league. You're hearing lots of names. But as for the Lakers themselves, they're not actively trying to do anything. Even with the fact that Lou Williams only has a year and a half left on his deal and he currently doesn't fit the timeline of the young core. And with the fact that the Lakers don't even have their first round pick, Mitch has said these comments. So I wanted to ask you guys, what do we make of this? Um, you know, Mitch has said these comments pretty much every year around the deadline. And before we used to shrug it off and say, you know, that's just Mitch being sly or Mitch being Mitch and what else is he supposed to say but I think it's time to come to grips with the fact that whenever he says this that's usually what he means and he hasn't really made a trade deadline deal in a long long time and his last deal at the trade deadline was the Steve Blake for Kent Bazemore and Marshawn Brooks trade back in 2013 I believe and even in that sense he didn't end up extending a qualifying offer to Bazemore that summer so we, we essentially got nothing out of that deal so my question is do you guys think Mitch is going to do anything this trade deadline. What do you think about the landscape of the league given the Hawks moves? Because in my opinion, I think there are tons of teams that could use a guy like Lou Williams, especially now with Atlanta Hawks bowing out of the East. There are tons of East teams on the fringe that could definitely use his services. So Tommy, I'll start with you. What do you think about Mitch's comments? Has Mitch lost creativity? Do you want him to make a trade? Do you think that with the Lakers now only being two games back, it's essential to once again, just keep Lou Will yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, I think I think from the beginning, I always thought, or Mitch has always been pretty conservative when it comes to stuff like this. So I think from the beginning, I was always assuming we would trade Lou just because 
we would be totally out of the race and it would be sort of like a, no, a no-brainer. Like if he was putting up numbers and we were doing okay, but like completely out of the playoff picture, I think he would have tried to make a move. The weird thing is we're currently not that far out of the playoff picture, which is weird because we've lost, you know, we're 11 games under 500, but we're still in the hunt. And I feel like getting playoff experience for this kind of team, sort of, even if you're just going to get swept in the first round, it just, it sort of trumps anything else. Um, so for that reason, I, I see what he's saying about like, we're not, besides that, who are we going to trade, right? Like he doesn't want to trade any of the young guys yet until we fully know what we have, uh, which is fair. And so besides that, who else are we going to trade? Lou is the main trade candidate for a young team like ours. And although I want him to make a move, I don't think he would just because, like I said, I mean, like you said, he hasn't made a move in like how many years. And he's pretty conservative when it comes to uh, this kind of thing. Alan, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if we were in a position like the Minnesota Timberwolves right now, um, who have 11 wins on the year, then yeah, we would. Mitch might be a little bit more uh willing to part ways like with a guy like Lou but like Tommy said I mean two games out it's pretty realistic and we had a brutal schedule to start the year and the injury bug hit and things like that and I mean just over the last week or so things have appeared to have turned around a little bit upcoming schedule uh isn't very it's not nearly as tough and we're at home a lot so mm-hmm. um if we stood pat I would not be surprised at all I'd be I'd be pretty darn surprised, actually, if we did make a trade. Yeah, I think I'm in the same vein as you guys. I don't expect us to make a trade. I still do want Mitch to really try hard and explore something for Lou Williams, because even though we're only two games back from the eighth seed, we're pretty much only two and a half games off from the second worst <laughs> worst spot right, in the league as right. well. So, I mean, it's either or at this point. And I think with the way you see the young guys growing, especially in the last few games, I think Luke, I mean, Lou has kind of maxed out his value to this team. He's given us a lot of experience, showed the guys how to play in competitive games. And now I think it's time for Jordan Clarkson to step back up. And I think he's starting to do that, you know, just kind of shift all the minutes to Clarkson. I don't necessarily think that would even be a bad thing. You know, we'd lose, obviously, a another element and another scoring punch in Lou Williams in terms of him getting to the line easily and all that stuff. But at this point, I'm, I almost just want them to give the minutes to Clarkson and, and allow him to continue to develop. And I don't think that would necessarily dent us so badly that it would jeopardize a playoff spot. Do you guys think that? I I don't think that would... I mean, I get what you're saying, but I, I still don't think that's the that's really the issue. I think the issue is more of we, in, at least in Lou, we know what we have. I'm just, this is not my opinion. I'm just trying to think of like what Mitch's opinion of this would mm-hmm. be with Lou. We know what we have and given the market and given how things tend to break down in these tra- it's very, very rare, even a team that's like a pseudo contender for them to, to trade like hot young assets or like the types of assets that we would want for a guy like Lou Williams. Like, if we're talking about like Ben McLemore or like that caliber player, those types of players can move for a guy like Lou Williams or historically, you know, maybe you can get like a mid first rounder for uh, or late teens first rounder for a guy like Lou Williams. But I just think that if Mitch's sense of the market is you can't even get that, or even if you could get like a late teens, at least with Lou, you know what we have. And with a late teens pick or a guy like Ben McLemore, you just, you have no idea what, 
is he going to do anything for you next year? Lou, you at least know you have for one more year. I think one guy that I threw out after Friday night's slate of games and the Warriors, you know, blowing a huge lead to the Memphis Grizzlies. Right now, the Warriors are struggling so hard because they don't have a bench unit. Yeah. And they could really use a guy like Lou. And I've brought this trade up before, but even now, and I've kind of lowered my expectations on what to expect for Lou Will, but I, I was like, yo, Warriors, just give us Pat McCaw. Kevon Looney and your first round pick, which would be 28 or something for a Lou Williams, because I think I would make that trade at that point, because I think we've been talking about what kind of guys would we want and would we need for this team right now? And, and you've been saying you want to see a backup point guard who can mm-hmm. defend. And I think Pat McCaw could eventually turn into that. He's six, seven. He has a long wingspan and you get a prospect in him and then another first round pick. So that's some that's an area that I'd explore. Obviously, I don't know if the Warriors would do that, but if you're getting Lou Will, I'm not sure why you wouldn't take that. And I say that because I'm trying to apply as much foresight as possible. If we continue to wait until the season is done, Lou Will is going to be an expiring contract. And at that point, what team is going to want to trade for the rights to overpay Lou Williams the next summer? Do you know what I mean? Right. So his value is just going to be, at that point, we're just going to have to stick with him the next year, which might not be a bad thing, but I, I don't think that in 2018 we're going to pay Lou Williams $13 million to come back and play, especially right. because he doesn't fit our timeline. So I'm just trying to think, you know, maybe Mitch should at the very least explore what's out there for Lou, which I think he will do. So anybody else have anything to say on that topic? No, I like what you had to say about uh, giving Clarkson some more minutes. I mean, we saw it tonight and Lou was struggling. He was three for 12 from the field, 0 for 7 from three. And, you know, as a lot of scores go, uh, Lou Williams was hot for weeks and weeks. And now he's cooled off a bit, kind of come back down to earth. Uh, and then Jordan got 29 minutes. Um, that's something that I feel like we're going to see um, happening for the rest of this year, just to get our young guys a little bit more developed. And if that's the case, while it's important to have a vet like Lou Will and a professional scorer, as everyone's been calling him, if his minutes are diminishing somewhat steadily to 17 to 20 minutes per game, you trade him. You know, are, are you really losing a whole lot right. if you get Pat McCaw in return, who is a young guy? And, you know, Mitch did talk in that interview about having a, a good balance between young guys and vets, and our team is practically 50-50. Well, if you trade Lou, obviously it's going to edge more with the young dudes, but I don't know. I, I don't think it would uh, it would be detrimental to our team's record as far as uh, pursuing the playoffs go. Yeah, I think yeah. at the end of the day, for me, I'm I'm 60-40. If I were Mitch, I'd try hard to try and find a partner for Lou because I can't think of a team out there who's a fringe playoff team that couldn't use him. So that's just my thinking. But at the same time, I don't expect him to make a move. Yeah. And if we're really... I, I get his viewpoint in terms of, hey, we're only two games out of the playoff spot. Let's continue to keep this rolling and have added insurance just in case someone gets injured again. So either way, it's fine. But I'm just more leaning towards... We should get some value right now before it's too late. Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. So. These guys, the, the skinny part doesn't matter. Uh, it, it got me here today. I was the number two pick, of course, and uh, 
uh, being skinny didn't mean nothing when I was battling each and every guy each and every night. Okay, so let's get to this game and pretty much the last few games that we haven't been able to cover, cover mainly Miami and Portland. But I'd say overall, the 2017 Lakers have looked so much fun. They, they're they really meshing together. They look like a cohesive unit and mainly from the young guys, Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, and Jordan Clarkson starting to find his footing. And he probably would have if he hadn't gotten himself ejected trying his uh, Manny Pacquiao impression on Friday. <laughs> but I'll start with uh, you guys. What did you guys think of uh, tonight's game? And we can pretty much bleed it into Miami as well because it feels like they just kind of rolled over the momentum that they had in the Miami game to this game. Yeah, what did you think about tonight's game, Tommy? Uh, tonight's game was pretty lit, and it was pretty trill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was, no, it was good. It, they've shown, like, this trend of, uh, although they get off to sometimes, I shouldn't say slow first quarters. I, slow first quarters defensively, I guess it would be the best way to say it. It seems like they've been picking up their defense in the second half, and they're playing, like, much more like a veteran team, like, if you watch San Antonio or, you know, Golden State or pretty much any team that's average age is like over 28, you know, six. Change is strong and you can experience it at Gold's Gym. For a limited time only, join the most supportive and dedicated community in fitness for just $1. Get access to the latest cardio and strength equipment, the best group exercise classes and expert personal trainers dedicated to your success. A stronger you is waiting at Gold's Gym today. Tap the banner now for a free pass. Offer ends February 29th. Valid with select new memberships at participating locations only. Commitment required. Annual fee and other restrictions may apply. We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chick intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Or whatever. These teams, they pace themselves. So in the, it's very rare that they're just winning wire to wire by 20 points, right? You look at a sac, uh, uh, San Antonio box score and it's like until the third quarter, they were only up by five. And then they have a big burst and they win the game by 15. So that's what veteran teams do. They don't burn themselves out, you know, when it's when it's uh, not needed. And when they build big leads, they keep them. And so the Lakers have been doing both um, of those in the last couple of games. And it's, yeah, like you said, 2017, I don't really know what's changed, but it seems like something has clicked and they just sort of get it now. Yeah, Alan, what about you? Yeah, I like what you said, Tommy, about picking things up in the second half, uh, this season, we've had that tendency in the third quarter to really shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, tonight, and you know, Orlando is not a good offensive team. We allowed yeah. them to nine points. <laughs> yeah. um, granted, we had nineteen, which is not great. Um, but man, you'll you'll take that type of output any day. We also held them to a thirty-eight percent shooting, which is incredible. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm extremely impressed with Brandon Ingram's progress over the last few games. Um, I I think I kind of made a mental note a couple games ago saying I felt like he really turned a corner and that he's become a viable option for us on offense. Whereas just two or three weeks ago, it was kind of like, well, (laughs) if he gets his as a last option because the shot clock's winding down or there's a loose ball or something, then, you know, great. Otherwise, we're not really expecting a whole lot right now, just as we've been saying flashes, but 
man, last two games, like this guy gets the ball, he he might actually do something. We have that expectation of him a little bit more now. And, you know, we don't want people to get carried away thinking he's going to be putting up 15 points every single night. But the team is doing a really good job of uh, putting him in positions to be successful. I mean, how many times was he matched up with DJ Augustine and Jody Meeks tonight in the post? Um, so thankfully, you know, some teams are starting to switch on him based on the different plays that we're running and he's able to get down in the post and his game is just so fluid. It's perfect for that. Um, he's got a great feel for the game as we've seen him distributing. He's so patient. Um, you know, when you look at a lot of our young guys like Jordan and, and Julius, they get a little OC, right? They, they really put their head down, they make up their mind and it gets a little scary at times, but with Brandon, you almost feel like he's moving too slowly every now and then like, dude, hurry up. You got to do something. But it's like, he sees the whole court so well. Um, his vision is great and he's very patient and you wouldn't expect that out of a 19 year old kid. Yeah. So, you know, we're seeing his, his point guard instincts back when he was six two, only what, three or four years ago, <laughs> I guess, come into the fold here. And that's been the highlight for me this last week or so. No, yeah, for sure. And one thing that he's been doing that's really helped him and helped his game is he's pushing the ball, and whenever he's in transition, he's just attacking it all the way to the rim yeah, before, the, before the defense even sets up. And that's one adjustment that I've seen he's clearly taken on, and, and it's it's worked. It's paid a lot of dividends in terms of him just getting easy buckets and him being able to take those long strides straight straight into the lane for these layups. And, hey, he hit back-to-back three-pointers tonight, which was, I think, the first time he's done that this season. <laughs> and they look great. Uh, he didn't have to pump fake or anything. But like Alan said, you know, the playmaking's on display, the turnaround jump shot's on display, the weird, wiry, Euro-step kind of things that he does <laughs> in the paint that you think he's going to get knocked down, but somehow he finds the right creases and spaces to, like, I don't know, insert his body and then somehow get a layup to go. And it's it's pretty, it's strange, but it, it works for him. So, you know, flashes. Stranger things. Stranger things. You know, <laughs> so many flashes, we're getting seizures. We should na- rename him Seizure Ingram. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Brandon Ingram, you Just know. Gonna, we don't want we don't want seizures. Yeah, we don't for want seizures. out there who has seizures, uh, yeah. But we're going to get to Brandon Ingram a, a little later in the show. We're going to close it out just talking about how good this guy can be and focus more on him. But let's shift it back to some other guys because, I mean, D'Angelo Russell this game, pretty much D'Angelo Russell 2017, yes. has been freaking amazing. I cannot say enough about this dude. 17 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 turnovers, which he got in the 4th and everything was sloppy. <laughs> but 3 steals, 1 ferocious block on Serge Ibaka. Which is um, a horrible foul they didn't I, call. Yeah, yeah, right on the forearm. <laughs> and like he raised his hand to say, I fouled him. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Uh, but I mean D'Angelo Russell even in the Miami game 19 points 5 assists 6 rebounds 3 steals 0 turnovers entering tonight's game he in 2017 through 4 games he, would, he was averaging 21 points 4.5 rebounds 4.5 assists 1.75 steals and he has been a revelation his playmaking tonight was insane as it was against Miami him just making the perfect pick and roll reads, whether it's up top to Mozgov for an alley oop or a nice crisp bounce pass to like a trailing Julius for like a layup and dunk. Um, he was just making all the right plays tonight, including scoring when he needed to. Um, the Miami game in particular, and he did it again tonight, where he attacked. I, I believe he attacked Serge Ibaka and Aaron Gordon, right? 
I think Aaron Gordon was guarding him, and he took it straight into the lane and put put up a nice floater or flip shot. And the Miami game especially, when he didn't really have his three-point shot going and he was only one for four, all of his shots were pretty much in the paint. He would drive it all the way and find a way to f- make a flip shot, essentially. And I think he's getting more and more comfortable um, just learning how to finish in the lane. You know, it takes reps to do that, and finally he's just... That's why I didn't have a problem when he just started trying to go into the lane and even though in Portland he was getting his shot blocked multiple times I was like that's okay just get him comfortable and now we see it paying dividends in the last two games so D'Angelo Russell I was just really really impressed with him this game on pretty much every level Tommy what did you think about D'Lo uh the one thing that stood out to me or impressed me the most it's which is kind of dumb but it's just like he has been shooting so well from three in 2017 so far so I feel like a lot of his games so far, he's been settling for just a ton of jumpers. He he took his jumpers in this game, but he shot five for five inside the three-point arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that's really impressive because last year, his bread and butter was like his mid-range game. Yep. And we sort of saw flashes last year. And by last year, I mean like his rookie season, not 2016. But we saw flashes <laughs> of like his uh, his mid-range game and and like how he could be a guy who once his, lo- his three-point shot developed... How are you going to guard him? Because he's going to kill you from the outside. He's going to kill you from the mid-range. He can get to the rim with his shifty moves. He could play in the post. And it weirdly feels like everything is finally slowly coming together. It's like weird that this is happening for all these guys at the same time. Mm. But it's like things are coming slowly together for D'Angelo to where he's hitting his three-pointers at the same rate that he's been hitting them all season, which has been a very good rate for a second-year point guard. He's now getting his mid-range and like driving game back. He had, I mean, he, I think he attempted what like ten free throws. He attempted a lot of free throws when mm-hmm. we played Portland, um, and he, yeah, eleven free throws. And he, uh, and he's getting his passes. He's making the right reads, like you said. It's not like he's letting his easy. It's almost like an offensive player, right? Like if you're an outside shooter, sometimes it helps to get a layup so you can make your three-point shots just to see the ball go in the basket. I feel like that same principle applies to D'Angelo's passing. It's like his easy passes set up his like showboat flashy, like showtime passes. And so he's making these easy passes and he's getting his assists and it just makes his like showboat passes look so much more impressive. So hopefully he can keep that up. And the defense, obviously three steals and back-to-back games is, is very impressive. Alan, what about you? Yeah, I think the best thing is, uh, he is getting into the paint and he's exploring those different parts of his game that um, we've seen him do before. So, I mean, maybe there is something to say about him coming back from that knee injury um, as far as him just being tentative before, not even like the injury bothering him, but just finding his rhythm again and getting back into the game. Um, So you can tell he's making a conscious effort to get to the free throw line and to post guys up as well. So, I think the great thing is, yeah, when he first came back from the injury, we were scratching our heads like, oh, man, what is going on? But if you really look back now, he wasn't struggling for a very long time since coming back from the injury. You know, like he, he's turned it around pretty quickly. Uh, so from here on out, we just got to hope that he stays healthy and the team is gelling so much. I mean, we don't want to like get delusional here and start putting all these crazy expectations, but I'm feeling very good about him uh, for the rest of this season. 
Yeah, it seems like he's just back into a flow and a groove where he doesn't feel like he needs to force anything. And now we're seeing, like Tommy said, him going back into his mid-range game and really making that a big part of his offense. Yeah, of his offense. And it's it just keeps the defense on their toes when he does that. And how many... All of a sudden, like Tommy said, now his flashy passes are actually hitting. Like those bullet mm-hmm. passes, those whip passes, where he's at the three-point line and he does like a no-look and it's like perfect for like an open dunk. Those have been incredible. He had another one. I forgot who it was to. It was probably Randall or Mozgov, but it just like blew my mind some of these things that he's like able to throw out there. So props yeah. to D'Angelo again. Yeah. You know, I, the other thing I like is it's not to the same guy all the time. Yeah. Like he definitely has chemistry with Mozgov. We've seen that at the very beginning of the season. And it's starting to come back now. But he's hit Nick on a few of those cuts on, like, a back screen or whatever. He's definitely hit Julius a number of times. So he's developing chemistry with all the guys on the team. And, um, I mean, that's just from him being on the floor. I mean, tonight he played, what, he had 31 minutes. Uh, For the longest time, he was kind of in that mid-20s range when Luke was just trying to fill out the rotations um, but all, most of our young guys were right in there at 30 or even in the mid 30s. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're going to see these guys start to really gel and develop that cohesion. Yeah. So props to D'Angelo Russell from rebounding in the new year and getting healthy. Obviously the next guy is Julius Randle. He was incredible against tonight, almost had a triple double along with D'Angelo, 19 points, nine rebounds, five assists, hit a three pointer very confidently. Like he knew what <laughs> he was doing and it looked, it went in, had one steal, one, blo- one ferocious block that, uh, the one in the oh, fourth man. quarter, dude, Woo! that was sick. The chase down on a uh, Fournier, uh, kind of bailed incredible. out, bailed out D'Angelo on that one though. <laughs> yeah, that was sick. And then the last game, too, he had 15 points, six rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, zero turnovers, six for nine from the field. So Julius Randle, as well as D'Angelo has been playing, he's been playing just as well, just as controlled, finally doing the right things in terms of just rolling hard, playing hard in transition, actually playing some scrappy defense as well, continuing his playmaking as evidenced by the five assists tonight. Um, Tommy, what did you see out of Julius Randle in 2017? In 2017, I mean, really in every game so far, I feel like we've seen a much more improved touch on his little mid-range jumpers. Um, I I feel like in the last game, maybe not against Portland, but definitely against Miami, he had a shot where it's like it doesn't look like much and it's not like flashy or whatever, but he comes down, he catches it in the mid post and, you know, takes a little dribble, gets a little contact and sort of takes like a mini fadeaway jumper Mm -hmm. from the free throw line. And he's had such good touch on those types of shots lately Um, because of the nature of his game. And because his right hand is still not fully developed, you're going to see him miss at the rim still a a little bit. And that drags his percentage down. But I feel like he's taking shots, even in the games where he is shooting like, you know, four for 13 or whatever, he's still taking shots that I want him to take for the most part. Um, and I'm just so impressed with how this guy is like up this field goal percentage to 50%, given that he still plays pretty much the same as he did last year. I mean, but like you like you said, like we've been saying for the past like few weeks, I guess for this guy, he's so in control now, um, and it, it never really looks like he's forcing anything anymore. He he just sort of plays in the flow of the offense. He sets up his teammates. He gets his points when it's time for him to score and. He he just has a motor that will not quit. So that motor alone is going to like salvage all those measurements that everybody was freaking out about when he was uh, coming out in the draft. And it's going to it's going to make him, I think, a very, very passable defender, if not a good defender in this league. 
Well, yeah, I mean, even just that chase down block play alone, that type of intensity, you obviously see it mostly on the offensive end. But if you can just bring that more consistently on the defensive end, especially when he's playing off ball and not falling asleep, I mean, that would change everything so much because he's clearly very athletic. He does have a crazy high motor. It's just literally sometimes he just turns it all the way off and you're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. what happened? So if he can just maintain that level of intensity, that would be great. Um, Does anybody else have any comments on this game? Jordan Clarkson had an okay game, but I thought he didn't do anything wrong tonight. He had Mm -hmm. nine points, four rebounds, four assists, zero turnovers, one steal. Obviously had the dunk of the night with the uh, Kobe Bryant-like baseline reverse dunk. By the way, I got onto or we got onto Spec- Spectrum Sports tonight with uh, oh, one of my tweet. I pretty much I just pretty much tweeted that Jordan Clarkson learned that dunk from Kobe, and I guess they read it out loud. So boom, there it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, what you what you guys think of Jordan Clarkson? Who I think you know the stats won't tell it, and obviously last game he got ejected. But I feel like in 2017 he's also rounded back into form and is trying to find other ways to contribute if his shot's not falling. So what about what do you think, Alan? I was most impressed with his defense tonight. Um, I think he really came out aggressive and he probably felt kind of badly for getting ejected from that last game. So I think he had a little, um, little extra spark, uh, tonight, but yeah, recently he has been playing a lot better overall. Um, I, I feel like with him, he just can't get discouraged when he misses shots, you know? Um, I mean, Recently, he has been hitting his his outside jumpers a little bit more, but he seems like he's going to be one of those guys that is a little bit up and down, and that's fine, just as long as he doesn't, like, bash himself in the head uh, for too long because it's going to hurt the rest of his game. And he's the type of guy that, kind of like we said, when D'Angelo makes the easy pass, all of a sudden the fancier passes start to come. For Jordan, his calling card has to be his defense because he could guard pretty much any of these wing players. And if he can tip the ball, deflect balls, steal it, whatever, that's just going to put him in a position offensively right after to dunk and get in transition, things like that. So uh, hopefully the coaching staff continuously reminds him that that needs to be his go-to and everything else is going to come. Don't worry about anything else. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Agree. Does anybody have any problems or any concerns about Nick Young regressing to the mean here? Mm-hmm. And uh, the last two games, not shooting too well. He was one for seven tonight, one for nine the last night. Um, I guess the good thing is Luke will pull him and pull his minutes if he's not playing that well and he's taking ill-advised shots. So, Tommy, do you have any concerns? Uh, no, I don't have any concerns, and I don't even think it's really regressing to the mean. I mean, even factoring in the last two games, he's shooting 44% from three, um, <laughs> despite the the horrible last couple of games. So, in the last five, I should say. So he he uh, he's totally fine. I mean, if if you're paying attention to what's going on off the ball, teams are. Team, it's crazy how fast teams adapt their scouting report, but he was so hot for so long. He was just probably, you know, item one, two, and three, and how do you defend the Lakers on the scouting report mm. um, was stop Nick Young because he's shooting at, like, Clay Thompson levels right now. So <laughs> yeah. he, when you watch this guy, he gets, like, no space coming off these screens. It seems like every three he's taken, yeah, he's, like, one for ten or something, but... I swear to God, like 80% of those 10 shots have been highly, highly contested. Um, like you said, it's nice to see Luke just because uh, Nick has put in such a solid season, not necessarily be like, okay, you're, you know, you're going through a slump 
and we have these other guys who can contribute in other ways, like JC getting his assists. So I think I'm just going to go with him for a little yeah. bit, you know? So it's nice to see you have a coach who adapts to stuff like that and who doesn't just like throw Nick out for 35 a game because he's had such a hot season so far. Yep. Agree. He only had 19 minutes tonight to that end. Um, last question about this game in the last few games before we get to Brandon Ingram. What have you guys thought about the Crash Brothers uh, in Tarek Black and Thomas Robinson? Like you said, I like that Luke continues to change things game by game and based off of the opponent and what's going on because in the Miami game, you know, both of them almost had double-doubles. Tarek Black played 25 minutes. Thomas Robinson played 17 minutes that game and Tarek had 10 and 11 Thomas Robinson had seven and nine, but tonight they both got killed defensively. I, I feel like, yep. and mm-hmm. um, Tarek only played eleven, and Thomas Robinson only played ten. So that's good. But in general, what do you guys think of how this these two have uh, played together? I guess it's gonna it's gonna be one of these things where it's just an on on and on off again kind of thing. Yeah. Because tonight we saw them in the second quarter absolutely destroyed the offense. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we 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 scored like forty points, and then all of a sudden we couldn't score like two points in the first six minutes of the second quarter. Cause these guys were just out there, you know, they were, they would get the offensive rebounds, but whenever they try and put it back up, the ball would fly. God knows where, you know, like five yeah. feet into the air and just, <laughs> it's crazy. So Alan, what do you think of this crash brothers? Is, is it just one of those scenarios where it's like, yeah, they're just going to bring the energy. And because it's so frenetic, we're just going to have to see whether it works one night because it doesn't seem like it's a consistent thing, right? Cause it's all energy. So what do you yeah. think? I think it's situational um tonight orlando's bigs just killed us um it's it's really ironic though we had so many points in the paint so defensively uh orlando's bigs didn't play nearly as well uh, as the last time we played them but on offense nick vucevic just absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed us mm-hmm. and um yeah I'm, I'm really glad that luke went to mozgov so frequently like 30 minutes that's probably his season high in minutes the whole year um when we play Portland on Tuesday, I, I bet you the Crash Brothers are going to get a lot of minutes, though. Uh, they did last Thursday up there, but I think they just match up better with um, Portland's uh, big guys. And as far as, like, on Thursday against San Antonio, uh, I, I don't feel too good about them against LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, Change is strong, and you can experience it at Gold's Gym. For a limited time only, join the most supportive and dedicated community in fitness for just $1. Get access to the latest cardio and strength equipment, the best group exercise classes, and expert personal trainers dedicated to your success. A stronger you is waiting at Gold's Gym today. Tap the banner now for a free pass. Offer ends February 29th. Valid with select new memberships at participating locations only. Commitment required. Annual fee and other restrictions may apply. Um, I, because LaMarcus likes to play out away from the basket, I think that's going to hurt us, and he can pretty much do anything. So I think you're going to see an uptick in Julius's minutes for sure, and then who's going to guard Powell. So you may go away from the Crash Brothers in that game. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, I think it'll be kind of up and down. Yeah. Tommy, do you have any thoughts on the Crash Brothers? Any heated takes, hot takes? No, just like similar stuff. If, Like you said, it's all energy. So if they come out and they have that energy from the opening tap or like for their opening tap, which is when they check in, if they have that energy and they're bringing that fire from the very beginning, they're going to get their minutes. Um, and if and if they're not or if it's just like whatever, or we need something else, like you said, Luke adapts to matchups. So. Yep, and with all this being said, with how good the young guys have been meshing tonight, I think what was most impressive was our closing 
lineup was pretty much the young core plus Luau Dang for mm-hmm. some reason. But <laughs> Jordan Clarkson, Papa. yeah, Papa Dang, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, and Brandon Ingram. Didn't it look like the most in sync we've ever seen those yes. four guys play at yeah. one point? Absolutely. Like they were, they, it felt like all of a sudden that they have been playing with each other for several years now because they were in the right positions, making the right reads, quick passes, quick decision making. And I saw a glimpse of the future pretty, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I was just so encouraged seeing all Flashes. of that happen. Flashes. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, that is actually going to be our new hashtag. It's not going to be lit. It's not going to be true. It's just going to be flashes. That's going to be our trust the process flashes, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But yeah, I say all that to say that I can't wait till Larry Nance comes back because yeah. that's going to take Luau Dang out of that lineup and we can have Larry Nance there. And oh my God, yeah. it's going to be so much fun, dude, just to see how energetic these guys are. And they feed off of one another's energy, you know? Yeah. And, you know, granted, obviously this is Orlando, this is Miami, but even in the losses against Portland and uh, t- the Toronto Raptors, you know, I just really like the progressive steps steps they've been taking in 2017, and hopefully they can carry that on to competitive losses against the Clippers and Spurs. So does anybody have else have any final thoughts? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> so our next segment is pretty much just going to be all dedicated to Brandon Ingram and how much he's progressed just in the... In- and now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the Geico app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you. Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This new year. Who's the GOAT? Greatest of all time. MJ or Kobe? As a Laker, I'm going to say Kobe. Oh, uh, that's smart. He's a smart man. He's a smart <laughs> he knows he's going to see Kobe around the locker room on that side. And I'm going to start it off by reading an email from one of our listeners who had a question about Brandon Ingram in particular. And it's unfortunate that he sent this a couple of days ago because it feels like Brandon Ingram has kind of answered this question of his just by playing. So I'm going to, this is from Ruben Aparicio? Yeah, Ruben Aparicio, and he his subject line is one man down. It's kind of harsh, but I think he's referring to Brandon Ingram there. Anyways, he says, hey guys, great podcast. Thanks for keeping it clean, family friendly, and trill. He spelled trill, T-R-E-A-L. It's actually T-R-I-L-L, but yeah, and keeping it trill. Did you actually know that trill, I looked this up yeah. today, trill <laughs> is a combination of true and real. Yes, I did. From Urban Dictionary, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do <laughs> so you think that's where he got it? Maybe. I think he's, yeah. But yeah, it's actually spelled T-R-I-L-L. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty much true and real together, keeping it 100. 
So he asks, I don't get to watch a lot of Laker games, but when I do, it feels like we are playing one man down when Brandon Ingram is in the game, especially in the fourth quarter. It's like when you play in the park and there's that one person that's not part of your group but has next, so you include him, but only give him the ball in an emergency. (laughs) Super harsh. Uh, I understand it doesn't look like we are going to have a successful season in terms of a winning season or playoffs, so the focus is more on developing the young talent, but it feels like a lot of times we could be a lot more competitive if Brandon Ingram played less. I like his potential and expect great things from him in the future, but it's painfully obvious that he's not quite ready to play such big minutes such a big part minutes wise he says whenever brandon ingram passes and flashes down the lane he doesn't, he doesn't really look for the ball with his athleticism and wingspan i would think they could throw some alley-oops when he flashes to the bucket i think that's more a luke walton thing and they've tried doing that before especially earlier on the season like he would get those lob dunks from huertas or clarkson um but anyways yeah his he pretty much just says I really think they need to cut his minutes and focus more on developing the chemistry between the other more developed young guns by giving them a better chance to win more of these games. I think this is something that everyone is thinking but don't don't want to say because one, you always want to prove you are right in terms of the draft pick, and two, you don't want to discourage the young talent, and three, you want to be positive and support them. My take on those things are that he was and still is the right pick, he's just too young and needs to be developed on the practice court. Throwing him out there and letting him be the team's weak point is far more discouraging than keeping it trill. Being honest with the kid, letting him know that he's not quite ready for so many minutes, but that doesn't mean they don't believe in him is probably the best way to go. So with that being said, and I feel like Brandon Ingram has responded to this already, Tommy, what do you what would you say in response to this guy in terms of his concerns? And I guess they're more valid before this new calendar year uh, turned that Brandon Ingram, sometimes out there, it looks like he's not doing anything. And given the last four games or so, five games into the new year, um, yeah, how would you respond to him regarding Brandon Ingram? So if this, if we had re- read this online or on this uh, podcast um, in December, I would have 100% agreed. And I think we, I actually said uh, like once or twice on on one of these podcasts Brandon Ingram, Luke has to start pulling this guy earlier in the fourth because he's kind of costing us games. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not developed. He doesn't, he's like kind of a non-factor on offense um, because he's not ag- aggressive enough. He doesn't know where to get his shots. He's getting knocked around and he's turning it over with making like dumb mistakes. Um, and then on defense, everything he gives you, you know, you lose it on offense because you're like he like this guy said in his email, you're sort of playing one man down. I would have a hundred percent actually agreed with that assessment in December. I totally agree. You know, there's no reason to rush him into it. Uh, if other guys are more developed and ready to start building chemistry together now, that's totally fine. It doesn't you're not acknowledging that something's wrong with Ingram. You're just playing him less in those crucial minutes. But given what he's done in the last two games, again, I don't. It's so weird. It, what what happened? Like what clicked? Um, he he just he gets it now. He is making moves with a purpose. He's getting into the lane. He's getting to the spots where he knows he can get his shots off, and he's seemingly getting there at will. I mean, you almost yeah. wish he would shoot it more, given how well he's been playing lately. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we've sort of answered that. Like you said, once Nance comes back, and we can close with. D'Angelo, Clarkson, Ingram, because now Ingram and D'Angelo and even Randall have all showed that they have some ability to score in the fourth quarter when we need it. Um, you can you can play those three, Randall and Larry Nance, and th- that's a lineup that can switch on everything. You have defensive energy, you have scoring, and that's really the lineup we've been waiting to see this entire year. So Ingram 
to respond to this email, I mean, I 100% agree in December, but I think now Ingram is slowly starting to show why he is closing games, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we should be giving props to Luke for sticking with him through all these hard times, and and something clicked, and, and now he's, he's uh, performing really well in those spots. No, yeah, I was going to say, now we see it paying dividends, even though yeah. it was a slow grind in December, and seeing him kind of fumble around and look like a deer, literally a deer, in headlights essentially but now we see him be so much more intentional so much more confident in himself having the ball in his hands even though he wasn't making any flashy passes and he just handed off just being able to dribble the ball up and down a little bit now you see him actually attack the defense from the half court line once he sees everybody in transition and in scrambles it's like night and day pretty much but that doesn't just happen if he didn't get minutes beforehand Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so alan what, what do you have to say yeah, that was actually the position I was going to take. Let's say Brandon were playing, I don't know, about 20 minutes per game. Uh, I'm looking at his game log right now, the last month and a half or so, and it's always mid-20s to low-30s. He had that one game against Cleveland where he played 40 minutes. But um, let's just say we we docked his minutes to like 18 to 20. I'm not confident he would be at the place he's at right now. Uh, if those are the minutes he'd been getting all season long. Uh, Would it have translated to some more wins? It's hard to say. I mean, maybe maybe two to three more wins, I guess, which then does put us in the eighth seed. But at the same time, you're not going to know what you have in Brandon as early. Now, that's kind of an impatient attitude to adopt, I guess. Like, well, you're obviously going to find out at some point. Just don't rush it. But, uh, yeah, I guess in terms of, like, an instant gratification (laughs) type mindset, I'm thrilled that he's where he's at now in January as a result of, possibly as a result of playing so many minutes. Um, I'm not willing to say that he alone cost us two to three wins, though, you know, in the W column. So, as far as the email is concerned, Obviously, and I'm sure if we were to email, if he were to email us back right now, uh, Ruben would say, you know, shoot, never mind. <laughs> These last three games, he looks great. And I mean, tonight he had 12 points in the fourth quarter out of his 17, which is crazy. Um, but if I were to go back and do it again, and I'm Luke, I think I would actually stick to uh, what happened. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course, but yeah, totally. And it, it was going to happen one way or another, whether it was, you know, maybe it ha- it would have happened in February or something, but it would have happened one way or another where Brandon Ingram get becomes more comfortable. We're just lucky that it's happening right at the start of 2017, starting with the Flashes Ingram dunk of the century poster <laughs> on Jonas Valanciunas, which I retweeted it again today when I was reminding people. This is how Flashes started, and we got to give props to our our buddy Scott, who came up with the nickname, and at the very end of the video, it gets cut off, but you hear him yell, Flashes! (laughs) (laughs) So even even in that game where all he essentially did that game, he only had six points, was literally showed that flash of a poster dunk where he looked so athletic. From that point onward, it's been sky's the limit Ingram for this guy. And in the last three games, Brandon Ingram is averaging 13.6 points on 60.8% from the field and 44% from the field. So very limited sample size, but still just the fact that his shot is coming around, that he's knifing into the lane and doing these crafty layups, that his playmaking above all is impressive. Um, 
right now, you, I couldn't be any happier with regards to his progress. So thanks to Ruben Paricio for that email and thanks for the kind words. I guess now I want to just turn it to just Brandon Ingram in general looking forward. Tommy, how good do you think this guy is going to be? And I don't think even you expected him to string together. I mean, sadly, this is his best stretch of the season, but the last three games, it's 17 17-3-2, Yeah, how good do you think this guy is going to be? And what have you seen in these um, in this new year that's given you, I guess, just added confidence that, you know, this guy could be a Kawhi Leonard, a Giannis Antetokounmpo type, or even like a Nicholas Batum type, stuff like that? It's funny because I think maybe last time I was on this podcast, it was either a week or a week and a half ago, we were talking about how Ingram is sort of in that phase where like D'Angelo when he came back from his injury and we kept talking about this guy is making a difference on the court, but the stats aren't necessarily showing everything he's doing for, for a while, right before the beginning of the new year, I'd say Ingram was sort of in that phase. He'd come in the game and he felt like he was making a very tangible difference. And then you'd look at the stat sheet and he finished the game with like six points and a rebound or something like that. And it was just like, did this guy even play? Um, and it's again, we I've said it like three times now, but everything is just sort of clicking for these guys at the same time. And Ingram is just like using all of his skills, like everything he has is on full display. You it's so easy to forget this guy is 19 and a full year older. I'm sorry, a full year younger than a lot of people in his same draft class. Um when Kobe Bryant was 19, he was doing stuff like this. You know what I mean? It's crazy. He can shoot from the outside. He has post moves. He's using his uh, handles as a six nine seven three wingspan forward. He's using his handles to like get into the lane and hit crazy layups. And you mentioned the Jonas dunk. Like when he starts to develop his lower body strength, that's going to become a more explosive part of his game. So I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea. He's so engaged on both ends it doesn't he seems like a really really smart player so that is helpful in the sense that he's only exerting energy when he has to he's not like exerting energy for things that don't matter so it's i honestly have no idea what his max potential is um i hope he continues to you know play solid and get uh get his numbers up for the rest of the season and just be a you know consistent contributor for us to close the season and then Next season, it's just going to be a completely different story. And I, I think he's going to – at first I was like, oh, man, he's going to need like two warm-up years and then we'll we'll know what he is finally by his third year. But if he continues to play like this, I think next year if he can put on some weight this offseason, which I mean if you heard all the pregame stuff, they were talking about how he he's constantly, constantly working. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no idea what his potential is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought it was going to have to be some sort of like semi red shirt year where all we would have to do is literally very microscopically look for these flashes like a player to a game. But the fact that he's actually strung together these games where now the stats actually reflect what he's doing on the court has been incredible. And even to go back to Ruben's email where why do we have Brandon Ingram playing so many so many minutes? Well, if Brandon Ingram wasn't so solid defensively, that would have looked a lot more egregious having him mm. on the court for that many minutes. But the fact that he could hold his own defensively and not make everything collapse, that's why he was able to get 35 to 40 minute nights and still look somewhat competent. Because if you remember, fourth quarter as a side, Brandon Ingram was part of that five unit bench that was like number one in the league, you know, that Luke Walton yeah. wanted 
to keep together. So he was a big part of that, even though it didn't seem like he was doing anything significant. But now you see with the added confidence and just him being more aggressive, knifing into the lane, just wanting to post smaller guys up more because he's pretty much lethal with that post-up turnaround, much like D'Angelo is, except he's even five inches more taller, you know, than most of the guys he's posting up. All he has to do is turn around. You can imagine, even if they end up putting bigger guys on him, once he gets more girth down there, it's going to be one of his most unstoppable lethal weapons because he can hit those awkward one-footed fadeaway jump shots, you know? So it just looks like he's putting it all together very slowly. And if he can continue to to progress to end this season, it's going to be really, really fun to watch. So Alan, what about you? What have you um, thought about Ingram and what's been most impressive to you in this, this last stretch? And has he, I guess, met your expectations, exceeded it? As far as meeting expectations, I don't even, I I can't concretely say what my expectations were. You know, it, it was pretty unknown at this point. You know, if you told me first week of January he'd be doing what he has done these last three games, I'd be absolutely thrilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then had I known before the season started that he would kind of struggle with his shot, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, so I, I don't think I'd be that disappointed, really. Uh, one crazy thing. So he's played 1,104 minutes. I don't know if this is updated, including tonight. It probably isn't. This is on a basketball reference. But, yeah, he's played... Over a thousand minutes. The next highest minute total, I think, is Demontis Sabonis with eight hundred four. So he's played like <laughs> three hundred more minutes than the next guy. Um, as far as points, I think he scored the third highest amount, or maybe actually. Sorry, I know this is like super important. Um, it's either second or third highest. He scored three hundred seven points on the year. Just as a reference, Buddy Heald, number one, 346. So not far off. Yeah, I think that's because um, the Lakers have played like four more games, but yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, he has the highest rebounding average besides Cech Diallo, who's only played nine games, so that doesn't really count. Um, so in terms of like his numbers, is the shooting percentage there? No. But as we've said before, it's not something that we're particularly worried about. It's not like his shot is broken. And um, <clears throat> he's not taking ill-advised shots. Like, the basketball IQ is, is clearly there. Um, the shot just wasn't dropping for whatever reason. Um, so in terms of how I feel about him so far, again, I'm happy to see him playing the minutes that he was. If we look at um, who are some other guys in his draft, like Jalen Brown, for example, it's not like I watch a lot of Boston games, but he's playing 13 minutes a game. You know, and yes, they're in a very different position than us. They're really battling for the Eastern Conference. But if Brandon were playing far less minutes, I I don't know. I think we'd be probably complaining like, God, I wish he would play more. I just want to see him. I don't really care, you know, what, what happens. Uh, we just want to watch the guy play. Buddy Heal, Jamal Murray, they're playing just a shade over 20 minutes. Sabonis is playing 21 minutes. Um, I'm I'm happy with it. And as far as how I see him progressing through the year, you know, he'll probably have some ups and downs. I'm sure sprinkled in every now and then there's going to be two, three game stretches where he struggles. But overall, by the end of the year, if I'm going to project, I would say he might be a shade under 10 points per game. I think uh, that average is going to go up. I think his field goal percentage is going to go up significantly. I think it'll be, maybe be a little under 40 right now he's at 36 percent which is pretty anemic (laughs) 
And uh, his three-point shot, I think, is going to drop. I, I think um, look for after the All-Star break, once he gets in that, that rookie-sophomore game, that's usually a, uh, I don't know, a time of year where guys sort of come into their own and start to find themselves. I, I would guess from three-point range, he might be right around 30%. Uh, it's going to be hard to bring it up because it's so low right now. But um, that's what I expect from him for these next few months. We're halfway through the season exactly right now, so... It's pretty crazy how fast that went. But I think over the next 41 games, uh, the future looks pretty bright. Yeah, and with regards to Brandon Ingram, like you like you just mentioned, his percentages, these are very correctable things. It's literally mm-hmm. hit some open threes, bro, and he's start finally starting to do that. I mean, how many times has Luke said he's our best practice player or one of our best? Right. It's just yeah. in games, it seems like he's chucking it so hard with very <laughs> t- little to no touch or no rotation that it's like, Oops, okay. But even even with regards to his like uh, defensive stats, I think those will start to come mm-hmm. around. He's only averaging 0.4 steals, 0.4 blocks. But the good thing is he knows that that doesn't matter right now. It's just, do I have the right defensive stance and rotation down? And for the most part, when he's playing man-to-man defense, he does. So it's good that even at an early age, he's not trying to, to steal defensive stats in terms of, I need to get a lot of... Uh, steals and make a lot of gambles to do that i need to get a lot of blocks and like get out of my position in order to do that it's just now let me be solid and solid first on the defensive end and then eventually i think those defensive stats will come around as well so i think he's on a some of the stuff he's doing at his age like like you guys have mentioned 19 years old the passes he's been making in terms of he's making those quick bullet passes around the perimeter as well, really quickly to guys like Lou Williams in the Miami game, finding open guys for three-pointers. There was one pass he made where he drove into the lane and was going down the baseline, and he made a really crisp pass to Luau Dang open on the baseline, but Luau Dang didn't shoot it, and he passed it up. But just in terms of his court awareness, it's through through the roof for someone his age. And, you know, not even Giannis Antetokounmpo, who a lot of guys are trying to compare him to, had this kind of court vision when he right when he came out. And the fact that he already has this is very promising. So I guess the last question I wanted to ask you guys was, do you guys have an updated comp for this guy? Have you seen anything different that makes you think, oh, he kind of reminds me of maybe a little more of this guy, especially with the rise of Giannis being... I don't know, the best player in the NBA all of a sudden and being able to do all these things. Tommy, have have you updated your stance on, do you still liken him to a Kawhi type dude or do you see more of this Giannis from him? Yeah. So yeah, Kawhi was who I said, right. When it, when we first started the season and not in the, not in the sense of like Kawhi is a super physical guy and, you know, plays in the post and stuff like that. But I meant more like Brandon has sort of a deliberate game you know, not not super flashy, mostly substance, very fundamentally sound, mm-hmm. solid defense. And for those reasons, I thought of Kawhi. But and like you said, this is like the obvious one. It's like how everybody for a while was being compared to Draymond Green. But because their bodies are so similar, I think Giannis is a really good example of something we could expect from Ingram, except Ingram is a much better outside shooter mm. than uh, than Giannis. I mean, I guess I, that's a little bit unfair because from what I've seen of Giannis from 18 feet and in or so, he's very, very solid. He just cannot hit a three-pointer. I don't know why, but... Well, the last few games, or uh, yeah, the last few games, he's shooting like 40% from three. So even that's coming around, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I still think that Ingram at this age is much better as a shooter and... Uh, 
much better in a lot of respects than Giannis was. And we've seen the rise of Giannis. So I just don't think there's any reason to think that Ingram won't have a similar rise. We, we not to say that Giannis doesn't have a good work ethic. I'm sure it's amazing to get to where he's gotten, but we know Ingram's work ethic and we know that he's going to put in all the time um, studying the game, working on his game, figuring out like, it seems like he's already been doing this, right? He's like sort of figured out where he's supposed to get his looks and he's specifically targeting working on converting those types of, you know, looks in practice or whatever he's doing. Because I think, I can't remember if it was during the third or before the game, but Trudell had some comment about how he came in and it, mm-hmm. there, he was trying to practice and like the defenders were playing a game or something in the practice yeah. facility. So he had to go uh, to another place, another court. And like what he does, this is my, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but like what he does is he sort of figures out where he's supposed to get his looks from the, like the previous tapes and he'll just go practice those situations, mm-hmm. I guess is sort of what it sounded like. So I think if he continues to all that to say, if he continues to develop at this rate, it's, I don't know. I think Giannis is much more fair because Ingram, I think, is proving himself to be much more versatile even than I could have expected. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I have no other. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and I think the biggest thing is obviously will he be able to build up the bulk that Giannis did from because Giannis looks like a completely different guy from his rookie right. year to now in terms of he's really bulked up. He's got muscle down there. But just to just to make this comp, like down it, where? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, down everywhere, oh um, down under. But <laughs> yikes! But his rookie year, Giannis only averaged six point eight points, four point four rebounds, one point nine assists. He did have zero point eight steals and zero point eight blocks, but he was averaging twenty four minutes as well. And then yes, the next, yeah, he was playing. And the next year, he averaged thirty one minutes, and he only jumped up to twelve point seven points, six point seven rebounds, two point six assists, one steal, one block. So if Ingram even makes that single jump to 12 points, seven rebounds, three assists in his second year, which I think he's going to do better than it would. I think the trajectory is right on line. I think one area of difference that he differs in with Giannis is I think Giannis is a much more aggressive driver into the lane. He's, I think he's also a tad bit more athletic than Ingram, but obviously like you mentioned what, what Ingram lacks in that department right now, he already has a better jump shot already has a better turnaround post-up game and he's already developed his playmaking at this point i think better than giannis has in his in his rookie year so yeah i think i i also kind of like that comp but also just to make expectations a little more fair i would be very happy if ingram just turned him in, turned into like better scoring nicholas batum who you know is a little more he doesn't drive as much as giannis he isn't as explosive as giannis but he does pretty much everything in terms of he gets blocked shots, he gets steals, he gets rebounds, he assists, he's a lethal three-point shooter. I think Ingram is going to be a way better scorer than Nicholas Batum, who is like on average like a 14, 16-point scorer. I think Ingram's going to turn into maybe an 18 to 20-point scorer, but does the same versatile... I think even more than that, actually. Yeah, maybe, considering how easily he gets, he's getting his shots right now. Um, so I think he could be a better scoring Nicholas Batum, but who does the same versatile type of things. But also, would any of us be disappointed if Ingram turned into a like a Gordon Hayward type player? No, right. Everything Gordon Hayward's doing for the Utah Jazz, I could essentially see Ingram doing, but at a aesthetically different kind of pace in terms of because he's super long. Alan, what about you? Have did you have a particular comp for Ingram, and where do you see him going at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, besides Giannis and maybe like a combination of that and Kawhi 
and just to say it because a lot of people think it like a little bit of Kevin Durant. Um, I, I can't like pinpoint one particular player. I would not be surprised this summer if he works out with Kobe a lot, knowing yeah, his sure. work ethic of finding those spots and like obsessing over them, you know, in, in random gyms and things like that. So we see Kawhi this past summer working out with Kobe and where it, it took his game this season. Um, who else has worked with Kobe this summer? I know there, there are a handful of guys who did. Buddy Hill. Of yeah, course, Buddy, Buddy Hill did, yeah. <laughs> and and Buddy's having a good year. You know, things are really turning around for him. But uh, I bet he's going to work with Kobe this summer. And I think it's going to help him tremendously in terms of just knowing when to take over and be aggressive. And I, I think Brandon's going to be the type of guy in the fourth quarter where you, you want the ball in his hands and you're going to really rely on him to close or get your team back into a game when, when the team is struggling um, because of his fundamentals and his footwork. Uh, I, I think he's going to really be able to, to just get his so as far as like a points per game in the future, I, I would say, I don't know what like his max is going to be when he's really hit his stride and come into his own and potential. But in a few years, if he's right around 20 points, um, I wouldn't be surprised. I think, I think he could score with ease. And as far as assists, I think those numbers are going to be a lot higher than most people think. Uh, he doesn't have the reputation, you know, nationally as being, um, like a, a passer, but we've seen it all year long. He's got such a great feel for the game. So that versatility is, is really going to help. And defensively, I, I think I heard someone actually compare him. This one might be a little off, but someone said they could see him defensively as like an Andre Iguodala. So I, Iguodala is a, a beefy guy. You know, he's, he's thick. He's very strong. But in terms of his defensive instincts, they're great. And I think Ingram doesn't have to be Iguodala, but just any extremely competent defender is, is something that he could turn into. Yeah, sky's the, sky's the limit at this point for, for Ingram. I think we've heard Andre Iguodala for him. Def- Andre, I mean, Andre Kirilenko, another Andre for him yeah. defensively as well, and I could totally see that happening. Yeah, the fact that right now he's still so skinny and he's still willing to go into the lane and draw this contact, I think is very encouraging. The fact that he does he literally has no bone on him right now. He doesn't have a base to keep him standing whenever he gets hit. But in spite of that, he's continuing to barrel in, continuing to explore his game, knife through the lane, find the creases, and somehow get these shots up. I think it's it's just going to be a world of difference when we see him next year and all of a sudden he's gained 10 to 15 pounds, you know? So I think that's what I'm most encouraged by with, with Ingram, that we're already seeing these flashes from him (laughs) so so early and i think one you know people have asked us this with d'angelo and i think it's it's kind of the same with ingram where they're like well what do you see in d'angelo russell that keeps you hopeful for the future i think in the same way that we've looked at d'angelo with ingram it's like i just don't see anything he can't do in the future it's like unless he his three-point shot totally falls off from where where it was in college and he never shores that up and somehow he's just some random 30 percent three-point shooter I really don't see anything he can't do because he's already showed us flashes. I, I hate trying to use this word because he's already showed us flashes <laughs> like of all these some things. some adjectives for flashes on it. <laughs> Glimpses. 
Glimpses, there you go. Glimmers. He's already shown us glimmers of all these different things in terms of he can hit a turnaround fadeaway jump shot. He can go into the lane and somehow pull out a crafty layup out of his butt. You know, he can all of a sudden throw a tomahawk down on Jonas Valanciunas. He can hit an open three-pointer. He can make crazy passes because of his length and because he can see over guys. So for me, I if I put that all together and just naturally think about how he's going to progress, I see him becoming at the very least a very, very good all-star type player. So yeah, I, it's crazy because I thought I was pretty high on Ingram, but I feel like I'm even higher than you guys on him. I mean, I think that if you, if you, I think this guy, if he can, it seems ridiculous because he's only had like two good games in a row. Right. But because we've seen these glimmers, um, we, we could sort of project <laughs> out a little bit and it just like, it, would it shock you? Okay, he's 19. Would it shock you if at 21 or even 22 years old he became an all-star considering the presumed improvement of our team over the next four years and as everybody gets better and, you know, we start to get winning records that weren't all-star consideration, right? Like, would it be that shocking to anybody if by 22 years old Brandon Ingram became an all-star? I, I personally no. don't think so given what we've seen. And um, the crazy thing about that is, like, how many times in NBA history has there been a situation where it's like, oh, here's a team with a 22-year-old all-star two-way def- uh, two-way player at the wing position? Like, those kinds of players win championships, you know what I mean? Those kinds of players, like, get first-team all-NBA. Like, we're talking about, like, Paul George, LeBron, Kawhi, like, people of this caliber on the wing and if Ingram can do everything and like you said, the big thing for him to for his scoring is to be able to hit the three consistently. But if he can do all of these things, I just think this guy can be not only a like perennial all-star, but like a perennial first team all NBA. If he, if he really can play both, both sides of the floor. Yep. Totally agree. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. We're very encouraged by the 2017 Brandon Ingram, the 2017 Lakers. We have a bit of a tough stretch coming up. We have to win against Portland on Tuesday. They're at Staples Center, so hopefully it's a revenge yeah. game for us. And then we got to play the Spurs and the Clippers. So maybe the good times are going to end pretty soon, but who knows with the momentum that these guys have been building. So hopefully that they can carry that forth. And uh, I like hashtag glimmers. <laughs> <laughs> glimmers, glimpses, hashtag flashes. All right, with that said, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys on the next show. Once again, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because, like I said, the more you rate and review us, that's how many times Jordan Clarkson's going to put them up. <laughs> All right. I will catch you guys later. Tommy, Alan, peace. Later. Goodbye. Flashes. Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, water bed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.
Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more cake! Even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.